Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli and its new movie adaptation, Love, Simon. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. This podcast is made possible by Nouvelle ELA Teaching Resources. Find secondary ELA resources to engage and inspire, like collaborative bell ringers. N-O-U-V-E-L-L-E-E-L-A. Something new. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out the book or movie yet. Let's introduce ourselves. So I am Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. And we're thrilled to welcome our guest today, Jamie Gonzalez, a 6th grade English teacher, joining us from Guaynabo, Puerto Rico. Hey, Jamie. Hi, y'all. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming. And Jamie can also be found on Litzy. Yes, for those of you who don't know, Litzy is an Instagram-like app for book lovers. And you can find me, my name there is Wandering Buccaneer. Awesome. So, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli follows Simon, a 16-year-old boy who knows he's gay and isn't ashamed of it, but isn't yet ready to come out to his family, friends, or kids at school. He does have one confidant, an email pen pal, Blue. When a smarmy classmate discovers Simon's emails, he says he'll out him unless Simon can set him up with his friend Abby. Simon has to figure out how to appease his blackmailer, Martin, manage some tensions within his friend group, and make room in his life for his growing affection for Blue. So y'all, let's start with our feelings on the novel. Jamie, you're actually the one that handed us a copy of this book at the bookmark in San Patricio and told us to read it. So why don't you start us off? Well, first, thank you for the shout out to our local independent bookstore. You know, indie bookstores need a lot of love. So thank you for that. Yes, I read the book and and loved it. It is a breath of fresh air in the YA oeuvre in the sense of a lot of times there's so much dark things happening in YA. And while this does involve, like you said, a blackmailing plot, overall, the feeling of the novel feels positive and feels real and immediate in an everyday way, particularly for us teachers who teach this age group. This is something that could be happening in in our, these are characters that could be in our classroom, I feel. Absolutely. And it's, It's so squishy and wonderful, and I think it really just sends the message that being gay is not always a trial and tribulation. You can just be a gay teenager Mm -hmm. and be squishy. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was really, really great as far as that. I also liked that throughout the book, even though Simon is pretty sure it's not going to be a big deal, like his family is fine with it, they're not going to disown him. His friends will probably be fine with it. Even knowing all of this, it's still hard and weird for him to come out. Like, it's not going to be a normal situation that he knows exactly how to react to. He wants to do it the right way. And I liked that he had all these complicated feelings about this, even without this fear that, oh, my parents are going to kick me out or something like this that we often see in coming out stories. You know, he had good family and good friends, and it was still just a weird and strange time in his life. And I really enjoyed that. Me too. All right. So we all have positive feelings about the book and high expectations going into the movie. So the new movie, Love, Simon, was released on Thursday, and it presents director Greg Berlanti's spin on the novel and stars Nick Robinson in the title role. We also get Jennifer Garner and Josh Duhamel as Simon's parents, and Catherine Langford, Alexandra Shipp, and Jorge Lendeborg Jr. as Simon's friends. Amanda, what did you think of the movie? 
I liked the movie. I thought that they did really well. I thought the guy who played uh, Simon, I thought Nick Robinson was really wonderful. Yeah, I had some nitpicks with it, of course. But overall, I thought that it was it was well done. It was a fun movie, yeah, especially the first half. It was just a good, good feeling movie. And I think they did a good job. And Jamie, you got to see it early at the bookmark. I did. Actually, the bookmark uh, gave us, they had a private screening for their customers. So we went, we saw it at the movie theater. So I actually got to see it two weeks ago. <laughs> and what did you think? I purposefully did not reread the book before going to see it. I read the book when it came out a long time ago. So basically at this point in my life, I have the feels of the book and, and the memory that lingers, sort of the aftertaste of it. And I saw it and I loved it. It's a cute movie and cute is not a bad thing necessarily. You yeah. just wanted to be in there walking those halls as whatever, as the teacher extra from the left. But you, <laughs> it, it gave you a feeling of, of just wanted to be a part of it. And of course, I'm a huge fan of Becky Albertalli. So she also wrote The Upside of Unrequited. She did. And she is fabulous. She actually... We have a book club here at the Bookmark in, in Puerto Rico, and we Skype with authors, and we Skyped with her twice, and we Skyped with her before the hurricanes oh, that's really uh, cool. about uh, Upside of Unrequited, and she talked a little bit about her next two projects. So I've been following her on Instagram also, and her joy about the movie process and the premieres and everything was contagious. It feels like a friend. I really liked the movie as well. I thought it was extremely beautiful in terms of its like music and its levels of saturation. Mm -hmm. I feel like it really captured that, that vibrancy of the novel. And early on, Simon sort of has this fantasy of being out and gay in college. <laughs> <laughs> and it has these people dancing in bright color shirts and it's just totally precious it's a totally precious movie one of my favorite things about it when simon was writing is i could see some some gay ya on his shelf there was more happy than not by adam silvera and there was also uh, her other book the upside of unrequited on his oh, shelf and, i didn't and notice there, that's so adorable i know i know <laughs> and particularly because like the books that are up there are the authors are her friends so, you know, I do love that that Simon did have like some hints that he was gay, but his family hadn't picked up on it. I loved the family scenes in the movie, and I yeah. loved the depiction of the musical, obviously, all of the musical rehearsals. <laughs> yes, you would. The increasingly <laughs> irate drama teacher who... I could relate to that. I really could. I could relate. And in the movie, we also get the addition of... Another gay boy who yes. is out, and his name is Ethan, and I loved, I loved Ethan. Yes, I have conflicted feelings about Ethan. I won't lie. Me too. I love Ethan, the character, but you know, it just breaks my heart that he was the butt of other people's jokes. That he was just a target to these jock-like characters because in the book they make a point of saying, like, yeah, you know. There's a little bit of, of name calling, but nothing too violent. But it feels like they are, it's a little bit more personal than that with this character in the movie. And it just broke my heart, even though Ethan was so confident and had his support group of peers. But you get the feeling that inside, he's cracking a little bit. Yeah. I also, I think having Ethan present really changed the character of Simon in a way, because 
in the book, as I recall, he says that there's no, there are no gay guys at his school. Like he mentions that there's a couple lesbians, but that he thinks that he's the only gay guy. And I thought that that really informed part of why he felt so attached to Blue, because he did feel so isolated and didn't know of anybody who was going through the same situation that he was. Whereas in the movie, Ethan was there and Ethan said, like, you could have come out to me. So I thought that that changed the desperation, I think, in his need to have this connection with Blue. I'll just jump in here for people who haven't read the novel or seen the movie yet. Blue, his online pen pal, does go to the same high school. So it's someone at Simon's school. Yes, both in the book and in the movie, the way uh, Simon discovers Blue is through a Tumblr page called Creek Secrets, in which you can anonymously post your confessions. But going back to Ethan, Ethan's gayness and flamboyancy in his dress and in his mannerisms is a very separate character from Simon. So I understood that part, and this is very personal in my interpretation of it, as Simon not being close to Ethan or wanting to associate with Ethan for fear that it would force him to come out before he was ready. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I can see that, like Simon not wanting to associate with Ethan before he was ready. I did like that in the movie it made being gay not such a monolithic experience. We had more than one depiction of what it meant to be gay. And Mm -hmm. there's even this scene in the movie where Simon's like trying on all these different kinds of shirts to see if he can dress gay or whatever. That like, was cute. It's not a thing that exists, but it's really cute that he's trying to go no. for that. Oh. But you know what? It's not a thing that exists, but it is yeah. <laughs> where you feel there's a gay culture and you need to find what will make you fit in. Once you're ready to come out, you know, theoretically, we've read all these books before we come out. We've seen movies with gay characters, but we don't really know what it's like. And, and we have these unrealistic expectations based on what the media portrays and even books sometimes mm-hmm. and you feel like you have to conform like in the 90s you had to be a vegetarian Birkenstock wearing cat loving woman <laughs> if you wanted to be a lesbian you know so you keep re- seeing all these tropes in book after book and movie after movie and you're like well what if I don't like Birkenstocks you know well I'm sorry dudes for you <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you start interacting with actual lesbians and you're like oh I can just be me with whatever I want to wear and whatever I want to eat, and it'll be fine. Yeah, there's a definite difference between choosing to be a crazy cat person and having yes. crazy cat person thrust upon you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one performance I thought was really interesting in the movie was the Martin character played by Logan Miller. So Martin is Simon's blackmailer. And, you know, Simon's like checking his email in the library because he can't wait to get home and hear from Blue and he's super excited. So he sneaks in during his lunch break and checks his email and leaves the browser open and Martin finds it. And oh my goodness, drama unfolds. And all Martin wants is a date with Simon's friend, Abby. So he decides to blackmail Simon. And that's kind of the catalyst for the other events in this novel. And in the movie, Logan Miller is totally awkward and smarmy and I thought that was really a fascinating character what are your thoughts Amanda yeah I think he did a really good job with it you know I think in the book Martin was a little cooler than he was in the movie Mm -hmm. and I think that was a fine change I thought that they made it really really clear that Martin's like 
not a bad dude. He's just kind of like one of those guys that when he walks in the room, you're like, I really hope he doesn't sit here. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought that was cool. I liked how they did that. What about you, Jamie? Well, he was like a spotlight kind of guy. He just wanted to be over the top funny Mm -hmm. so that whether people were laughing at him or because of what he was doing, he was still the center of attention. I also appreciate it. Even though as a teacher, I was like, why is this happening? <laughs> the change of musical from... Yes, I was uh, going to say that. <laughs> from Oliver to Cabaret. Yes. And the, the opportunity it gave the character of Martin to be more Martin-y. Martin uh, plays the MC in Cabaret. Yes. I said, who would put Cabaret as a high school musical? I know, me too. <laughs> but of course, it's part of the over-the-top, the drama teacher who is a, like a stereotypical... Uh, frustrated actress dealing with these teenagers kind of thing. She was an uh, extra in The Lion King, and now she's teaching high I school know, drama. I don't know if you've ever heard the Weird Al song Skipper Dan about a guy who was highly trained in theater and now he's a tour guide <laughs> on the Jungle Cruise ride. <laughs> hey, that is my dream job. Dream job. Anyway, back to Simon. Martin, yeah, he was made much more of a geek than in the book, and there are things in the book like the Freudian slip costume wasn't really Martin's in the book. And oh, by the way, I've reread the book so that I could have it fresh in my mind and have talking points. So the Freudian slip costume belongs to somebody else. And there are some of the more over the top scenes, like when he asked Abby, can we talk spoilers in this part? No. <laughs> <laughs> we still get that sense of Martin lurking in the book and in the movie and what Simon does to evade him and not have to deal with the fact that he has to betray his friends. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come back to the Martin Simon dynamic in our spoiler section. So there is an addition to the movie, which I found very charming. And that is that Simon wonders why straight people don't have to come out. He kind of laments that this is a, you know, an LGBTQ experience And so they do, you know, a Simon fantasy montage of all of his straight friends coming out to their parents and their parents adopt these stereotypical reactions that LGBTQ parents have been portrayed as having or have had in real life or, you know, all of these things. And I really thought that that montage was very cute. Jamie? Yeah, it was hilarious. What I take away from it, again, based on on personal experiences, is that, yes, you come out to your parents and that is a pivotal moment in your life because no matter how cool your parents are, there's always this fear that the reaction might not be perfect. But the coming out thing is not something that stops once you tell your parents and you tell your friends because every time you meet someone new, you have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Do I tell them I'm gay? Do I not? When do I tell them, you know? When you get interviewed for a job, one of the first things I ask is, do you have a non-discrimination policy and what is it? Because I don't want to be fired just because you don't include sexual orientation in your anti-discrimination policy. So the coming out process is nerve wracking at 16, but I can tell you from personal experience, it's still equally nerve wracking at 40. It does not stop. Nope. In the movie, they make a bigger deal of the dad's homophobic jokes. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Where... If you've read the book, even if you haven't read the book, you're cringing every time he makes a comment because you know, you already know as a viewer that Simon is gay and you cringe every time he says something. Yeah, I think the homophobic comments seem more in the movie, too, because we just have fewer scenes with Simon with his parents 
So Mm -hmm. we don't have the 95% of interactions where his dad doesn't make homophobic jokes because that's not what they put in the movie because they wanted to up the tension and all of that. Yeah, it's just one of the things that that gets trimmed down. Yeah, the movie is arranged differently. The car plays a major role in the movie, whereas in the book, the car is a hindrance. Mm -hmm. So all these things that occur in the car that help us see his relationships with his friends don't happen in the book. Those happen in other places like the Waffle House and the school and things like that. Right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli and the new movie Love, Simon. We'll talk about ways that the movie deviates from the book and some of the choices that were made to compress the story. The rest of the show will contain spoilers. So if you're leaving us here, please keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. If you're a teacher or a librarian and you want to know more about this book for an education setting, check out our show notes and more ideas at teachnouvelle.com slash YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back after this quick break. Do you have a product you'd like to get in front of teachers, librarians, and other book lovers? If so, email us at yacafepodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, y'all. We're continuing our discussion on Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli and the new movie Love, Simon. If you haven't read the book or haven't seen the movie yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Yes, you have been warned, people. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about ways that the movie deviated from the book all around I enjoyed the movie, but I was so sad that the movie decided to make Bram an extrovert. He is the one who hosts the party, um, the Halloween party. He becomes the host of the party, whereas in the book it was Garrett. I did not understand that change. Um, Neither did I. He was much more outgoing, and it just made me really sad because I can be a socially anxious person, and I really liked that depiction in the novel what did you think about this jamie well you're a bit more introverted than i am nobody ever believes that i'm an introvert i, I don't guess believe I, fall... you. <laughs> I know right um i guess i fall more into the ambivert which is a word i recently uh learned where where uh introvert and extrovert is not binary so right it's um, a spectrum so <laughs> yes uh, so i had no problem with that part of it the movie does a great job portraying who Simon thinks it's blue throughout. And there is a part where they show Bram, but then because of, of what happens at the party where he walks in and sees Bram sort of making out with this girl, I was like, wait, are they changing blue? That was my fear. Just a shout out here to Keenan Lonsdale, who plays Bram. Totally charming, adorable. Oh my God, yes. How could blue be anyone else? Like, that's what I thought, seeing no, that uh, And can we just, I mean, fast forwarding to the scene at the carnival, the way they portrayed it in the movie, that anxiety that everyone was feeling, not just Simon, but all of his classmates, all of his peers, even Martin at that point, that was for me, We, I think collectively the movie theater was holding its breath. Oh, no, that was Wait. too much for me. See, it was too much for me, but now... <laughs> Your interpretation, Jamie, of this being like a metaphor for, you know, the collective anxiety of coming out and finding love as a gay teen or whatever, it makes me feel much more positive about this over the top scene in the movie. Yes, I, I know it's it's there was something about it, about the the positivity of the moment that was heartwarming to me, particularly since the movie 
almost ends there. Yeah, I worked for me. So one of the things that I really didn't like that they changed from the book to the movie um, kind of plays into that idea of like searching for the big Hollywood moments. Um, so in the book, Simon is not very on board with Martin's plan and does very much the bare minimum to keep him from releasing this information. Uh, but in the movie, Simon was much more manipulative manipulative yes. towards his friends. And so that led to, after Simon came out, he was in this huge fight with his friends and was totally alone. And I yes. really disliked that, particularly when... Like, they went into the gay bashing scene, and nobody stood up for Simon except for the drama teacher. I felt like the character of Abby in the book, it does not matter that she and Simon were in a fight. Like, if that happened, she would jump up and do something about it. I felt like it was very unfair to the other characters of Simon's friends to think that they would immediately jump into this huge fight, abandon him, leave him in his first day out as a gay kid sitting at a table alone. I really disliked that change. And I didn't like that they uh, they took out like a lot of the positive things that he got at school the next day because he did. Mm-hmm. Like the girls came up and said like, oh, great job. And like, we're proud of you. And Cal told him that he was bisexual. And like none of that happened in the movie. It was just Simon completely alone, Simon facing these gay bullies and nobody on his side. I really disliked that change. You could be very, very hurt, but your empathy is still there. Yep. You feel like it's kind of vapid to let him be tortured that way. Yes. Yes. I prefer the Abby character in the movie than in the book. I feel they added complexity to the character. So also the Nick thing. Right. In the book, it does happen where Nick, that dream where he's like, I'm having a problem with vision which I like how they portray it in the movie. Like she's right next to him and he doesn't know what it is that he's not seeing. Uh, But she does have other interests and her storyline is not as Nick-centric. Yes. And along those lines, another change that the movie made was having Leah be in love with Simon instead of having Leah be in love with Nick. And I was not on board with this change. I felt that it made Leah very Simon-focused at the same time, we don't have the talent show at the end where Leah's mm-hmm. the awesome drummer. So it really means that Leah had nothing outside of Simon in the movie. That's true. I agree wholeheartedly with this. I also wonder how it's going to translate since the next book is going to be focused on Leah. There can't be a Leah movie based on what happened in the Simon movie, I fear. Right. Also, in the Simon movie... In that little coming out montage, although it is Simon's fantasy, but one of the people that comes out as straight is Leah. And it's already been revealed in the Leah and the Offbeat book blurb that Leah's bisexual. So I don't know if that's going to like affect how people perceive Leah in the future or if they're just not interested in pursuing a Leah movie. Well, I think that's all right, because that whole montage is all in Simon's head anyway. So if he has no inclination that Leah is is bisexual at this point, he wouldn't put that in his little brain montage. So, Can I just say, in my brain, Nora and Leah can be a thing? Is that wrong? From the book. But in the movie, they age Nora down a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Obviously from the book. Not that the little girl in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I would totally be on board with that. I think that would be cool. I like Nora. I, was, I like Nora. That was my like OTP from the book also. That was my takeaway. 
Yay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel alone. <laughs> Book Nora is discovering her identity and she's doing things that maybe her family wouldn't approve of, including having this whole secret life as a rocking guitarist and picturing a behind the scenes bonding moment between the girls in the band, but particularly between Leah and Nora. Particularly. We're with yes. you. So <laughs> one of the other changes that I, I felt really changed the meaning of the movie, perhaps in an attempt to make it more melodramatic, but there's this moment where after Simon has been outed, Bram deletes his email account. And Simon is unable to reach him. He doesn't know that it's Bram yet. And he just feels like Blue has abandoned him like everyone else has. In the book, Bram had given Simon like a shirt of his favorite Mm -hmm. band or something and kind of pinned his phone number inside the shirt. And so it wasn't until later when Simon looked at the shirt that he like saw the phone number and life continued. But Mm -hmm. in the movie, he lost that connection And I felt that that really changed the meaning. What did you think about that change, Amanda? Yeah, I agree. I think that it made a lot of what I talked about earlier as far as like Simon comes out and then everyone abandons him in almost this like subconscious, like coming out as gay makes everything worse, at least in the short term. Like I said, I liked that that's one of the things that the book didn't do. And it was just like this blip in his life that was weird and difficult, but he still had a lot of people that loved him. So, yes, I also disliked that change just because it added to that whole, like, you came out and everything sucks. So I think a lot was lost. Yeah, I definitely agree. In the translation. Mm -hmm. Another thing I wanted to talk about, you know, as an educator is this fabulous Tony Hill performance as the vice principal. He is so funny and this character is so awkward. And I just wanted y'all to tell me what you thought about that one. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that he was this just awkward kind of wanting to be liked, but still trying to be the vice principal, doing the vice principal job. And yeah, I thought he was great. But he didn't want to be liked too much. He didn't want students to think he was gay once Simon was outed. That was really... But he was wearing... Sorry. No, he he was wearing the little... um... Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, sorry, I'm Puerto Rican and Cuban and I talk over people. Um... (laughs) He was wearing his little gay flag in support, the rainbow flag in support. And that was cute. He did not want to be associated with it. But I think that's a normal reaction, unfortunately, in some men. Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. But he was still showing his support, like, you know, a simple, sublime way of saying, I'm still here for you, even if I'm not gay. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's cool that you're gay. I'm not gay. But I'm glad you're gay, but I'm not gay. (laughs) But... I just want to make sure you know that I'm here and not gay. I remember in the book that Martin was like, you know, when my brother came out, we created this supportive space and we went to pride parades and the brother didn't care. Yeah. (laughs) At least they know that, you know, the supportive environment is there. I have to say that I was very annoyed by that character. The vice principal character? Yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. I'm just going to say, because it reminds me of people I have worked with that are well-intentioned, but ultimately highlight situations that don't need to be highlighted or try to resolve things in ways that are not necessarily the best way to do it. Oh, yeah, definitely. The apology scene, it was like, yes. come on, man. That was so bad on so many levels. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, that, for sure. I have a personal pet peeve 
with educators being portrayed as incompetent. I did not appreciate showing a vice principal in this case that that is not a professional. It, he's kind of like the Dwight Schrute of vice principals. I agree. He was totally awkward. And that's part of what Tony Hill does. No, I know. I'm a fan of his Arrested Development and all that. But but I loved that this character existed in the movie because it's such a reality that people are well-intentioned but don't get it. I agree. I will concede to that point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that's fair. I think that, uh, yeah, a lot of times teachers are portrayed as like sort of buffoony or administrators are portrayed in this way. I could definitely see how that would get grating after a while. What I also wanted to mention, since this is a diversity podcast, is the fact that the casting was not done necessarily based on the description of the characters in the book. Like the drama teacher was white and had red hair and that had no effect in the casting. We never get the sense that Nick is African-American in the book. And, you know, that was a choice that was made in the casting. So I love how inclusive it felt. Yeah. Let this be a lesson to people casting movies. You can always cast white book characters as people of color, but you can't go the other way. Definitely. Right. right. I wonder how much the Hermione casting decision in the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child play had to do with with opening up the casting choices as well. Interesting. I mean, yeah, that was big. And then like casting Heimdall as a black guy in Thor, that was huge. And like comics fans lost their minds but mm-hmm. like since then other comics characters have been changed and they've gotten over it like the uh the valkyrie in the new thor was black and like she's not black in the comics and that's gone fine and i'm glad it was a harry potter thing that made it <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's our show for today friends thank you so much for joining us jamie we really enjoyed having you yes this is great and everybody, remember, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We're always looking for new book recommendations and guests, so definitely reach out. And if you're a teacher, you can find even more book reviews for educators at teachnouvelle.com. And just a heads up that right now we are on iTunes and we are hosting a contest that if you leave us a review on iTunes, you will be entered to win a $50 Barnes & Noble gift card. Gasp! <laughs> So make sure to get those reviews in by the 23rd of March. We've enjoyed having you folks. Happy reading.